Well, good evening. I always get a little paranoid that I uh, don't forget to turn my mic on, so I, the green light's showing, so we're good to go. Well, tonight um, I have the tremendous privilege of looking uh, at the remainder of Numbers chapter 27 with you all. And uh, as I was uh, preparing, I was reminded um, we'll, we'll be taking a brief break from Numbers after tonight uh, for several weeks. And I was reminded that the last time we took a little break from Numbers, I was the last to uh, preach from it. So uh, kind of uh, interesting how things come full circle sometimes. So, um, But uh, so Numbers chapter uh, 27, again, is going to be our... Um, area of study tonight. And uh, last week Aaron looked at the first uh, half of this chapter for us, and uh, this week we will uh, be concluding it uh, tonight together. So if you haven't already, Numbers chapter 27, turn with me there. And uh, we will begin in verse 12, and we will read down through uh, the remainder of the chapter. So the word of God reads this, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Go up into this mountain of Abiram and see the land that I have given to the people of Israel. And when you have seen it, you also shall be gathered to your people uh, as your brother Aaron was. Because you rebelled against my word in the wilderness of Zin when the congregation quarreled, failing to uphold me as holy at the waters before their eyes, these are the waters of Meribah of Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. Moses spoke to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation, who shall go up before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before Eleazar the priest and all the congregation, and you shall commission him in their sight. And you shall invest in him with some of your authority, that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall inquire for him, by the judgment of the, of the Urim before the Lord. At his word they shall go out, and at his word they shall come in, both he and all the people of Israel with him, the whole congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and made him stand before Eleazar the priest and the whole congregation. And he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord directed through Moses. And will you go to the Lord in prayer with me? Well, Heavenly Father, this is indeed your inerrant and infallible word. So Lord, we pray tonight that you would use this very word by the power of your spirit to instruct, to teach, and to equip your saints tonight that we may gain a better understanding of your word understand the truths about you more clearly, to love Christ ever more deeply, 
and to be more and more conformed into His image. For our good, for Your glory, we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, again, we uh, find ourselves in Numbers chapter 27. And uh, we are also coming to a passage um, where preceding uh, this, we have seen the uh, tribes of Israel have uh, been numbered. Uh, We are told, and that was in chapter 26, we are also uh, told preceding this passage uh, tonight in the earlier verses of chapter 27, uh, we are told that the daughters of Zelophehad, who I should remind you under the uh, Mosaic Code were not going to inherit the land of their father, um, but that they were going to inherit the land uh, that the people of Israel were entering into. Uh, but tonight we're going to see something interesting uh, in our passage. Tonight we are going to see a man, that man being Moses, who had spent all these years with the people of Israel. He had led them all these years. He had walked Uh, with him all these years, uh, and he is not going to inherit uh, any of the land in the promised land. In fact, we are told that he is not even going to be entering uh, into the land. But as we look at this passage tonight, uh, we're going to be looking at it in several sections uh, together, Uh, but one of the main things I hope uh, to do here tonight Uh, is that in our time together that our gaze would be directed upon Christ, that we would see uh, His beauty this evening, because I I do believe there are a lot of things here um, that are a foreshadowing of things to come, and I hope to to bring those points out clearly and uh, that they would uh, be edifying for us all. So the first thing I want us to look at together, uh, again, we're going to break this uh, passage into sections, Uh, and it's kind of a unique passage. There is a very uh, unique dialogue taking place between Moses and God. Uh, And the first thing I want us to look at is in verses 12 through 14, where if you're taking notes, uh, you you can write this down if you will, but... In these verses, we are looking at the judgment of God uh, upon uh, Moses. Uh, Now, here in these verses, God is going to pronounce, again, a judgment upon Moses. And he explains why he is doing so, and it's a very good reason, right? Because God is a just God, uh, and his reasons are always right. So Moses receives the sentencing of judgment from God. So let's, let's see why he is receiving uh, this judgment. It says, Moses goes up to the Mount of Abarim and looks over the land that God is going to give to the people of Israel, right? So again, this is the people that, that Moses has spent all these years with. And basically, God tells Moses, you are not going to enter uh, into the land. Instead, you are going to die outside of this very land, uh, Moses, just like your brother Aaron. Now, at first, that that seems kind of cruel, doesn't it? Um, You know, again, this is Moses, right? This is Moses, the man who has been God's man. Uh, This is Moses, the man who had 
encountered God on Sinai. This is the same man who had led the people of Israel all these years, the same man who had interceded on behalf of the people of Israel for all these years. And this is the man that God tells you are going to die outside of the land that I have promised my people. You will not even enter in. So it seems pretty cruel, doesn't it? But it's not, right? Again, because God is a just God. God is right uh, in His judgments. And we see exactly why Moses does not enter the promised land. It says because God tells him in verse 14, because you rebelled against my word in the wilderness of Zen when the congregation quarreled, failing to uphold me as holy at the waters before their eyes. So Moses was the leader of the people of Israel. He was the one who delivered the word of God to the people. And at the waters of Meribah, we're told that he rebelled against the very word, the word of God. And so because of Moses' sin, because of his sin and his rebellion against the very word of God, God says to Moses, you will not enter the promised land. Instead, you will die. And I think that's a sobering reminder to us, friends. That the Lord here is showing in a very tremendous way that no one is immune to his judgment, right? Not even Moses, not even the great prophet Moses. So the Lord pronounces a judgment upon him. Moses responds to this judgment that God pronounces upon him. As I said, uh, earlier, this is a unique dialogue that's taking place. So we're going to see over and over again, we'll see God speak, then Moses respond. Then God's going to respond again by answering Moses' prayer. And then Moses is going to respond uh, in obedience to God. But we'll get that to that a little bit later. So Moses responds to the Lord's judgment in verses 15 through 17. And I want to read those again because I think this is a very... Uh, interesting response on Moses' part. Verse 15, Moses spoke to the Lord saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. And so Moses here, he's responding in prayer to the judgment that has just been pronounced upon him by God. And he doesn't respond in a way that I might respond. He doesn't respond in saying, Lord, please give me one more chance. Lord, please, I'll do better. Please, Lord, I've done all these things for you to the people for all these years, Lord. Just please let me in. He doesn't respond in that way. No, he responds in this way, verse 16. Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, 
appoint a man over the congregation. Moses responds to God's judgment in prayer by saying, please don't let them be without a shepherd. Please give them someone who loves you, who loves your word, and who obeys your word, and who cares about your people. Moses' immediate response to the judgment pronounced upon him was, Lord, give them a shepherd. Does that remind you of anything in Scripture? If you recall with me in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus, he's going through all the cities and all the villages teaching and proclaiming the kingdom while also healing diseases. Well, what happens? When Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36, we read, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. Listen to this part. Like sheep without a shepherd. So what a beautiful picture of a foreshadowing that we're seeing here, of a foreshadowing of Christ's heart here through Moses. So in the same way that Moses here in our passage prays for the Lord to give the uh, people of Israel a shepherd, in that, we again, we see the foreshadowing of the heart of, of the Christ and the crowds because what does Christ want in Matthew chapter 9? Christ wants His people to have a faithful shepherds too, right? He wants His people to have faithful shepherds too. So just as Moses here is saying, Lord, give them a shepherd, we're seeing just a little foretaste of what's to come in Christ in Matthew chapter 9. So very interesting, right? I don't know about you guys, but I'll just own it myself. If I had judgment pronounced upon me, I probably wouldn't be asking something like that. In fact, it would be the earlier of what I said. Lord, give me another chance. Lord, please, I'll do better, right? But that's not what happens here. Moses asked that the Lord would give them a shepherd. Well, as we move on, God answers Moses' prayer. In verses 18 through 21. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. So after God pronounces a judgment upon Moses, after we see Moses responding in this almost kind of shocking way to God's uh, pronouncement of judgment upon him, after we see him respond with this prayer of petition uh, for a shepherd for the people, we now come back to God in this dialogue that's taking place here. And God answers Moses' prayer. And he answers Moses' prayer by appointing Joshua 
to indeed be that shepherd for the people. Joshua is the one whom God chooses to come in after Moses and to fill the role of the shepherd of the people. So Moses here is commanded by God to appoint Joshua in front of everyone and to give him some of his authority so that the people of Israel would look upon Joshua's leadership and that they would follow him. But there's also something interesting here that I want us to look at for just a moment. Uh, Something that I think we might overlook uh, at first glance. I want you to notice with me the differences here between how Moses receives word from the Lord and how Joshua is going to receive a word from the Lord. So Moses spoke with the Lord face to face, right? The Lord gave Moses a word and then Moses would turn around and give that word to the people. With Joshua, it's going to be a little bit different. With Joshua, it's going to be different. Joshua will go to Eleazar the priest, and Eleazar will then go to Urim and Thummim, and the Lord will reveal through them what the people of Israel are to do. And after that, then Eleazar will come back to Joshua, and Joshua will, will then, after all that, give the word of the Lord to the people. It's interesting how in way the word of the Lord is transferred between Moses and the Lord and the Lord and Joshua. It's different how these, uh, it's very unique how these are, are pictured uh, differently. Um, So Moses responds to the Lord in prayer. The Lord answers Moses and then gives Moses instruction. There's a quote I want to read. It says, It was said of one great leader that his life was not service punctuated by prayer, but his life was prayer punctuated by service. Meaning, this man lived communion with God, and in the midst of living uh, that communion with God, he then did service. And friends, I just want to add to that, that that's how we see Moses here. That's the unique communion relationship that Moses had with God here. And what a reminder to us that now because we have the Holy Spirit as well, Right? The Holy Spirit is indwelling within us. We can have that same kind of communion, that same kind of unique communion that Moses had with God that was, that was different from the word being translated from God to Joshua. We can have that same communion with God that Moses did right? because we have the Holy Spirit through the person and work of Christ. So what a, what a beautiful picture there, right? What a beautiful picture of this communion that Moses had with God. Even after this great 
a rebellion even after this great sin that he had committed uh, against the Lord, Moses uh, was still in this close communion with God. And what a grace that is, friends. What a grace that is. Okay, so God answers Moses' prayer. God says, I'm going to give the people Joshua. He's going to be the new shepherd. And then we see, coming back to Moses again, uh, we see a very gracious thing here. We see Moses obeys the Lord's commandments. We see Moses' final act of obedience uh, here to the Lord. And, and I'm reminded... Um, of another man who had been a great leader uh, and judge of the Lord's people, Samson. Samson, and he too sinned against the Lord and had fallen greatly just like Moses uh, did here. But that's not the end, though, is it? That wasn't the end of Samson's life. That wasn't the end of his story. What happened? No, in his last act of obedience, what happened with Samson. He brought more judgment on the enemies of God's people than he had in his whole life. And so, friends, just like Samson, Moses had sinned against the Lord greatly. But the Lord was merciful in granting him a final opportunity of obedience. And I'm just reminded of what grace, friends, that is, that in the very act of obedience from Moses, it was bringing blessing, a tremendous amount of blessing to the people of God through the public anointing, appointing of Joshua as their shepherd. How beautiful that is. But there's still a question that kind of remains, if you will, or at least for me. So after all that Moses has done for the Lord, after his faithfulness for so many years, again, leading the people, intercessing on behalf of the people, speaking the word of God to the people, why does Moses, I'm going to repeat this question, we've answered it in part, but why does Moses not get to enter in to the promised land? Well, again, we answered that in part. Yes, it's because he sinned and disobeyed the word of the Lord. But I want to look at this a little bit further. I want it. I want to bring this a full circle, if you will. So yes, why does Moses not get to enter into the promised land? Yes, it's because he sinned and disobeyed God. But in Matthew chapter 26, in verses 31 through 32, we read this. You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, 
and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Or John chapter 10, verse 11, where there Christ speaks again, saying, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then we look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, where the Hebrew writer there says, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. So friends, just a point I'm wanting to make here is Moses was their mediator. Moses was the people of Israel's mediator. And the cost of entering into the promised land was prepared for them by God through a mediator. So Moses in his last act of obedience was a picture of the mediator to come in Christ who also experienced exile from the promised land, who was cut off from it, who was crushed for our iniquities, bore the wrath of God that should have fell upon us, and crucified on a hill outside of the city of Jerusalem. Moses, in our passage, was a foreshadow of that greater mediator Christ to come, the Good Shepherd. That is the whole point of our passage. Moses sins. Judgment's pronounced upon him. He responds in prayer by asking God for a shepherd. God grants them a new shepherd. And Moses, in his final act of obedience in his life, gives us a foreshadowing of what is to come in Christ. God was gracious to Moses even when he fell greatly. In the same way God is gracious with us, friends, because we have fallen greatly. And it is because of Christ's work on the cross because of His mediating work on the cross. One day, we too are going to enter not into a promised land here and now, but into the new heavens and the new earth where that communion with God that we have here through the Holy Spirit is going to be even greater because we are going to be in the presence, the very presence of our Creator, of our Savior, of our Lord, and our Master, and our King. What a great, great grace we have in Christ. That if we recognize Him as our mediator, repent of our sins, and follow Him, we're going to enter into the promised land. Amen. How beautiful that is. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.
Well, Heavenly Father, we are so grateful. for the work that you have done through Christ. And we, Father, we are also so grateful for your word and where from the beginning, from Genesis chapter 3, you made a promise to your people. And from that point on, through prophets, through priests, through kings, we see foreshadowings of that very promise come and to be ultimately fulfilled in Christ who is our mediator who is our redeemer our greatest treasure and wellspring of our souls so father we thank you that even in the midst of our great falling even in the midst of our our sinfulness our wretchedness our fallen nature before you. Father, even though we have sinned against you, you have been a gracious God in sending a mediator on our behalf to intercede on our behalf, to bear the wrath that we deserve on our behalf, and to take away our sins forevermore. Father, may we never waver in our thankfulness to you for such a gracious, merciful, mighty work you have done through Christ. And we thank you for passages like this where we get to see the very beauty of Christ through these foreshadowings of those that you sent before him. Father, we thank you, we praise you, and it's incredible.